0: Right then back by No One's Demand But Our Own and from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios here in sunny, scenic, beautiful Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast powered by the fine folks at Two Rivers Sport, And you know, it's brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z SportsNashville.com. So that sounded super cheesy, broadcaster there for a second. I'm not sure why I did that, but it's okay. Happy Tuesday. Lovely to have you all back for another episode of the pod. In fact, it is our two-year birthday, two-year anniversary, whatever value you want to assign to it. So happy two years to this here podcast. Thank you for all that you do to make it successful. And thank you to all of the people who make it possible, To Rivers Ford and DraftKings. In the meantime, we are going to celebrate with a couple of our fan favorites around here on the pod. You guys love Joe Rexroad from The Athletic. You love Emily Proud from WKRN News 2. So we brought them back. And we're going to spend some time on all of the things going on. A lot of things happened in local sports over the weekend. But really a a main focus on all of the crap surrounding the pre-draft process in the NFL. So that is what you have to look forward to today. As well as at the end of the show, your Music City Mailbag questions As is the custom. But first, if you're like me now more than ever, you want to do business with a local company that cares about people. That's why I tell you about my friends at Two Rivers Ford. Since the minute they opened their doors way back in 1983, Two Rivers Ford has been giving their customers quality American-made vehicles. fair upfront pricing. They're big believers in no pressure buying experience, which is one of the main reasons why they have a non-commissioned sales staff. Their formula has obviously worked because now almost 40 years later, almost twice as long as I've been alive, Two Rivers Ford is one of the most trusted names in Middle Tennessee. So if you're in the market for a vehicle, go to the dealership that has the name People Trust. Go see my friends at Two Rivers Ford. They're in Mount Juliet, just seven miles east of the airport, or online at tworiversford.com. Let's get to Rex Road and Back here, 615 Sessions podcast from the DraftKings Sportsbook studios. Well, I am from the DraftKings Sportsbook. Studios. Emily is very professionally decked out in a blazer from WKRN News 2. Joe Rexroad is in a room where he is. What are you wearing on your shirt? The Beastie Beastie Boys. boys. Joe Rexroad. Check your (laughs) head, baby. Of the athletic. Emily, proud of WKRN News 2. All right. So we started, we we were getting ready to start the podcast, or I was getting ready to start the podcast. And then all of a sudden, Emily noticed that Rexroad has a picture of his face behind him that I'm going to make you go get right now. And really,
1: like, we, there's not enough of my
0: face, you know, out there, I think. so. No. A lot of face. So Rex Road is going for the audio audience. He is fetching.
2: Oh, all face, no neck.
0: Team. <laughs> <laughs> all face, no neck. Team Rex Road Samoas Bob. Obviously of Girl Scout cookie fame. So now, Rex Road, you may tell the story since I can use it for content.
1: Yeah, so Brad Schmidt and I, my buddy and former uh, co-worker at the and we got into a, a big argument. That, I think we got an argument in the newsroom, I think it's how it started, about the best Girl Scout cookie. And I know most people like Thin Mints. I think Samoa is the greatest cookie ever, ever made. So um, we had a little debate and, and a local Girl Scouts troop came to the office, showed up with those, one for him, one for me, and also with a bunch of cookies. And I ate most of them. There was uh-huh. my story.
0: Emily, is the are are the Samoas the greatest of the Girl Scout cookie?
2: Yeah, I. Yeah, there's not much more to say about that. I thought that I would disagree with a take of Joe Rexroads, but I completely agree. Samoa is the greatest.
0: Are they the coconut ones? Yes. I hate caramel. I I, I hate coconut.
1: I hate coconut. So do I. That's why they're so great. They make me like coconut. That's how good they are. I don't like coconut either. Other than on Samoa's. No, the Girl Scouts are absolute
0: mercenaries. They fight they hunt you down. They, they, they. It's like it's like a pack of African wild dogs, like you, that you watch on Nat Geo. They'll like split you up. They'll divide and conquer, and then they'll just pin you down in a place where you have to buy a box of the the Thin Mints. I like Thin Mints, but they hurt my stomach. Too many Thin Mints. I eat too many of them, and then it hurts my stomach.
1: Which is people don't odd. talk about tagalongs enough. That's my number two. Yes. But you know,
2: yeah, chocolate peanut butter. I was a, a former brownie, which is a pretty, I don't know, high-ranking, medium-ranking in, uh, in the world of Girl Scouts, so all, yeah. all the bashing that you were just doing of Girl Scouts, I felt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks. The vicious side of Emily Proud. So we're going to talk about sports at some point over the course of this podcast. Vols, Vandy, baseball had a really, really fun series, maybe not terribly competitive or at least as competitive as people would like to make it seem, but the Vols and Vandy at Lindsay Nelson Stadium over the weekend uh vandy taking the series we're also going to spend some time on the nfl draft 10 days away at the time of this podcast taping so everybody freaked the hell out uh but were either of you in attendance joe were you at lindsey nelson stadium
1: i sure was for the first two so okay Okay. yeah so uh
0: well go go ahead what what were your observations
1: it was great you know i mean it was uh they said it was about 50% packed, but I swear the place was at least two-thirds full. <laughs> That's what it seemed to me, you know. Uh, I did not get to see live the mullet lujing, but <sighs> I did see that on Twitter. And I would not advise that during or not during a pandemic. Uh, but, hey, it, I guess it's better than butt chugging, right? Can we say that? It's better it than is, butt chugging. This is your university, Emily. Defend either
0: the mullet chugging or, or excuse me, the mullet losing or the butt chugging. Go ahead.
2: Uh, I engaged in none of that at <laughs> University, by the way. I am not an alum of the University of Tennessee. No, but I guess being from there. Yeah, it's it's amazing. They they set the standard pretty high, um, so it's it's definitely interesting. But yeah, I enjoyed it. it seemed like a, not 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 the losing, um, but I enjoyed the, the fans and it seemed like kind of the first normal ish event. And, you know, Tennessee fans, they love a good winner.
0: For sure. Yeah, they- and they don't have one. They haven't had one on campus in quite some time. Obviously, the basketball team doing well during the regular season, kind of petering out the last month and a half for them was a little bit of a struggle. And then on Saturday, there was no way, of course, that they could lose because John Fulkerson threw out the first pitch. Um, but for Tennessee to have a legitimate winner on campus, I had Tony Vitello on the radio show this morning, and he, he, just, he basically could not stop and it's his job to, but could not stop praising just how invested Vols fans are when they have something, something to cling to athletically. And I think you saw the results of that in the, in the student section, mullet chugging and all.
1: Yeah. Well, and the thing is, and I I wrote about this and talked for a while with Tony and, you know, he's going to, yeah, he's, he's going to be very uh, diplomatic about this, of course, but you know, the Philip Fulmer thing and the Pruitt thing, totally kind of halted the plan they had for what was going to come with the stadium. Phillip Fulmer was very invested in that. And, very, and, and so now look, I, I don't think anyone can expect Daniel White to come in and say first priority baseball, let's go. We're a baseball school. But i tell you what, um, I think LSU, Texas A&M, maybe others, you know, this year, soon, whenever, might be coming after Tony Vitello. So, I think the ball should invest in that. It's, you know, it was a fun atmosphere, but certainly like that left field hole, um, it's it's not up to the standard of the other SEC stadiums. And that's weird for Tennessee to have anything that isn't. And uh, I think I think Tony Vitello would love to stay there and build a power. Uh, but you know what? An LSU comes after you. When they're, they're paying twice as much to Pulmonary as they are him, and they invest. I mean, they have the best stuff on every front. It's hard to turn down, so that's going to be something to watch. But I was really impressed with them the way they fought. They gave Jack Lyre trouble that no one gave him all year. But then, of course, we also see how great Vandy is, and Kumar Rocker Friday night was just a snarling monster on the mound. Um, but you know what? Both these teams could be in Omaha too. I really think that's possible
0: for sure. And I don't think Van or I don't think the Vols benefit at all, Emily, from Kumar Rocker having such a poor performance against Georgia and then having to basically take the brunt of that, because I think you saw that in that 5-0 shutout that they had on Friday.
2: Yeah, he was heated for sure. Um, You know, you have to commend both teams' abilities to rebound, I think, first off with Vanderbilt and Kumar Rocker pitching, you know, uh, not his standard against Georgia the week prior, and then Tennessee rebounding from what they did on Friday to be able to come out and have that home run derby, and Evan Russell in particular on, on Saturday, I think was huge, so that's that's always kind of been the calling card when it comes to Tim Corbin's teams is they don't stay down for long they don't they don't lose back to back games all that often um, their ability to to learn what they saw in a first game and, and take that into later in the series I think is incredibly impressive and and their ability to rebound is is great but I think that that was that was an exciting thing for the state of Tennessee in general um, I think there's a like a sneaky good baseball state. Um, I think, you know, you, you look at things like, or actually this, this weekend, I was talking to Woody hunt at Cumberland university, which I know is not a powerhouse by any means, but he's a coach that is retiring the series, been there 41 years. They've won three national championships, the NAI level. You've got a lot of great programs. I know Tennessee tech was really good uh, a few years ago, going to, um, you know, a deep run in the postseason, and, and Belmont has made it to the NCAA tournament before. And so I think it, it's just really special to see, Um, a rivalry like that and to see Tennessee and Vanderbilt competing at something that, you know, it's, it's not very often that Vanderbilt is known as the, the blue blood and the, and the tried and true team in a series with Tennessee, but that's kind of what makes this series all the more special.
0: Well, I got a little bit of shit on the radio show today because I had uh, I had Vitello on, and obviously the Vols lost the series. But just a very it's it's a loud minority of Vandy fans that come screaming out of the woodwork anytime that you praise the University of Tennessee, especially in Vanderbilt sport. And and I the more that I thought about it, it, it is fair criticism, um, because there's just so many more damn Vols fans than there are Vandy fans. So at that point, I'm playing the hits when I have Vitello on the radio. Uh, It's
2: it's kind of like when people were calling UCLA a Cinderella story in the NCAA tournament, it's like there's so much rich history there, even though they were an 11 seed making it to the final four. It's it's kind of a similar thing with Tennessee is it's weird to promote them as that plucky underdog that stood up to the big powerhouse in in Vanderbilt. So I get it from that perspective. But when it comes to baseball, Vanderbilt's a standard. They're the defending world champions,
1: right? Well, Tennessee is worth attention. I mean, look, Tennessee just lost this game, and they dropped to number six in the country. They have the most wins of anyone in the country. They just won their first four SEC series for the first time since 1970. So, I yes, I think Vanderbilt fans absolutely don't like the idea of certainly Tennessee infringing on their territory. This is their domain. But I think most people should be able to step back and say, how fun would it be if we had more and more series like this? I mean, I mean come on, what? I mean, seriously, we've talked college baseball here for like almost 10 minutes now. Right. I mean, when does that <laughs> record, I don't normally like, even as great as Vanderbilt is, honestly, I don't, I, I normally really get into it once the postseason comes right now. I do think some of that is also the fact that they've got, I mean, they've got two, two pitchers who might be stars who might be the top two picks. So that also elevates, I, I think the, the excitement of, uh, you know, of baseball this particular year, but, um, but, yeah, Tennessee, it is weird for them to be the, the like you said, Emily, the plucky underdog. Um, but I think that they can really do something special here. And, and I don't think that they have to – it has to be a seesaw effect either. I mean, Vanderbilt has kids from California and Washington. And like, I think they can both excel and flourish on the recruiting trail and not really hurt each other.
2: Well, they've also got kids from Knoxville too. You, you talk yes. about baseball in the state no, of Tennessee. Gun, for Farragut for sure. is a powerhouse. Yes. So I said Farragut. Kind of, sorry, would you Farragut? <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, Farragut.
1: Thank you. Sorry. All right, I, you
0: said, sorry I said okay. I I said Smyrna and Dolly World Smyrna. the other day, and I got dragged, dragged. Uh, Dolly
2: World? How, oh, what, what Are you?
0: <laughs> what do you mean? Like you? Like you're spending a lot of time at Dollywood, Emily? Like this uh, is something that I yes? should know? Are <laughs> yeah, you?
2: Dollywood Splash Country. I had so many birthday parties there. Are you kidding no. me? Okay. I would never go back now as an adult, but it was great as a child. But no. Sorry, off, I know what you're thinking of. That's too close to Smirnoff.
0: Okay. <laughs> she, just, she just accused me of being a drunk, which is uh, not far off, but I don't drink vodka, just tequila. Um, so but let, let's move on from the college baseball conversation after this. Tim Corbin's comments um, are being just ridiculously thrown all over the place, not just by one side, but by both sides. And I will read the comment for the podcast audience that is listening to us, not just watching us on YouTube. Adam Sparks had the write-up. Tim Corbin, after Sunday's ten to four win over that, the time, uh, the number four or excuse me, the number five volunteers, uh, said, "This environment here. I don't know what we're doing in Nashville, but there aren't many empty seats." he adds parenthetically, at UT now. Let me just tell you, COVID does not exist in Knoxville. There are a lot of people here having a good time and sometimes at our expense. We just need to do our part to play baseball. They created a very good environment here for baseball, and I credit them. Now, Sparks did a good job in following up outside because he could see it just the same way that all of us who saw it tweeted out on Sunday could see it coming. He texted Corbin to kind of clarify his answers specifically on covid Corbin said they showed up to support their team, pure and simple. They were passionate and you could feel them. So uh, now this has been taken by both sides of the political aisle. One attacking Tim Corbin for daring to cite the idea that fans could have some kind of impact on on a game the other side saying look at tim corbin ripping the city of nashville for how strict their covid protocols have been i saw a lovely write-up on outkick this morning not from any of one of our uh, any one of the three knuckleheads that we associate from outkick but from some other knuckle dragging slap that exists on the internet that writes for them um so now anyway, it's just just so stupid emily all of it both sides both of them anyway uh so what did you what did you make of Corbin's comments and how I guess, what, what did you make of it, Rexwood?
1: Well, so, so the first comment, and, and I wasn't on that uh, Zoom, but, but Sparks t- tweeted out just the Knoxville part first. So my first impression was, oh, Corbin's taking a shot at the ball. Oh, no, COVID doesn't exist here. Huh? No social, you know, but then you see the whole thing. It's like, oh, actually, he's mad at his his own place basically. So I think that sentence is sort of you know, that that, other than that, it's just basically like a a coach saying, Hey, I'd like to have a better atmosphere. I mean, I guess you could kind of compare it to uh, some of the stuff that uh, Dan Mullen was saying, you know, in the fall, but again, it's also at a very different time. Dan Mullen was saying that stuff after Texas A&M when we were in the midst of COVID far, far before any kind of vaccinations or anything like that. I mean, look at this point, a lot of people are vaccinated. And so it sort of changes the discussion. Um, Frankly, I didn't think it was that big of a deal overall. I didn't – I think that he's frustrated that they've had, um, you know, very, very small crowds here. I mean, A.D. Candace Lee immediately tweets out, hey, I want more people too, and we're relying on Metro Public Health, and they've – by the way, they've upped it, and so the Vandy will have more this weekend against Mississippi State, just like the Preds are going to have more tonight against the Blackhawks. But I don't know. I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but it's also like – we're, it's, it's so much fatigue about all of this, including, you know, parsing quotes from coaches.
0: Well, and I guess that's what it comes down to. Cause like anytime somebody says the word COVID, it immediate at least at least at this level, right? At least at a at, from a public figure who is at a press conference and COVID is brought up immediately, some kind of meaning is assigned to it. Now, in this case, it's a totally reasonable thing for Tim Corbin to say, "Hey, based on what the health guidelines are in Davidson County and whatever what Nash what happened on Friday night for Nashville, or I guess that was Saturday, but Friday night heading into Saturday's Nashville SC opener, now for the Preds." Uh, the the city of Nashville has expanded and allowed these venues to host a greater capacity. Vanderbilt, I'm sure, will follow in suit to some degree, but any time that one of these individuals, no matter what the sport, no matter what the platform brings up COVID, it essentially just turns into a shitstorm on social media or wherever these things get aggregated in a way that it assigns a totally different meaning to the person who's just simply stay- saying the word and not necessarily implying one thing or another with it.
2: I think that's what made Tim Corbin's quote unquote burn so Uh, effective is that you didn't really know what it was for and you didn't know what he was attacking necessarily. It was, you know, one of those rare things where, you know, when you pick a side, you really weren't sure which side he was actually talking about. If you were mad at him for getting mad at his own university, or if you were mad at him for saying, you know, negative things towards the University of Tennessee. Um, But I think, you know, it's funny you bring up the the Dan Mullen thing, because the biggest difference there was that his his conversation and, and his words were coming after a loss. So it almost sounded like he was yeah. complaining and that we lost because the atmosphere at Texas A&M was so awesome. So let's it bring it sound like that. That's what to he help did. Us win. Exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not the swamp. quoting.
0: Pack the swamp yeah. is what he said. Yeah.
2: And that was in the height of the pandemic. There are a lot of things that are different between that, um, but also the sway of Tim Corbin. I think the way that you saw it develop from Adam Sparks continuing to to follow up to then also following up with the athletic director, Candace Story Lee, and then her coming out and saying, Okay, yeah, we're doing it. Um, we're we're increasing the capacity. I think it was. Completely reasonable for Tim Corbin to say something like that. He's, he's, you know, been here long enough and won enough to have that sort of sway. I don't think it was out of line by any means, but I'm, come on, this is 2021, everything is politicized. Everything is this or that. Um, there is gray area in in debates. It is possible. It does exist. No.
0: Not, you know? not on any of the platforms that I'm on. Clearly, because it just some people scream. get on some
2: new platforms.
0: I, I, there's no You're more. Everyone. There's though, no. So. There's really no more that I could put unless I'm going to come after your TV station. and I got nowhere else to go? I'm literally out of places to be. Don't do it. <laughs> so uh, transitioning from college baseball, it is obviously the ramp up, the pre-draft process. We are ten days away from this godforsaken thing uh, when we can finally stop doing mock drafts, stop citing other people's mock drafts, trying to s- assign some ridiculous, you know, stock up, stock down in a time where nothing is really happening to indicate that any of these players should go up or down. What is the what is the most Do you guys enjoy this part of the year? Like, honestly, like, do you you enjoy this part? Because I I don't know if I'm alone in finding it just exceedingly frustrating.
2: I think when you say there's 10 days until the draft, I think that sounds like a lifetime. I feel like we've been talking about it for forever and forever. And, and yeah, there's, there's so many different things that come with it. I enjoy some of the debate. I enjoy maybe a week or two of it, but I mean, just the smoke screens and everything and people, for whatever reason, we we remind you every single year, don't listen to a single thing that coaches or GMs say this time of year. And yet we do anyway. And we, say it's fact. And if, well, Kyle Shanahan was saying this, then that means that the 49ers are for sure taking Mac Jones. And then now all of a sudden you turn on ESPN and it's, well, did you guys forget about Justin Fields? No, nobody forgot about Justin Fields. I mean, just the amount of going back and forth and how people say that their draft stock rises and falls. These kids aren't doing anything right now other than the underwear Olympics, which thankfully was not necessarily a thing this year and everyone's doing their own individual pro days.
0: No, not thankfully. Do you know how badly I want to be drunk in a bar and Indianapolis oh, well, with all my friends.
2: Yeah, but in terms of sitting down and watching yeah, the on-the-field workouts and stuff, I, I can definitely do it without that. Um, but yeah, Indianapolis, wonderful city, wonderful state, Buck. You, sp- well you
1: spent some time there. You spent some time there. I did.
2: Recently. I did. Yes, it was, it was very different, though. Um, but I don't know. What were we talking about? The draft?
1: By the way, did you have Shapiro's?
2: I didn't. Cal wouldn't you let never- me go anywhere.
0: What do you mean Cal um, wouldn't let you go anywhere?
2: We ordered everything into our hotel rooms to be cautious of the virus and the pandemic. And I was sitting there with two shots of Pfizer and three weeks removed and was ready to hit the town, but gotta be safe.
1: Next time sneak out and don't tell Cal. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's totally, he's got the car keys,
2: I guess, Uber. I don't know. Next time. (laughs) Next time I'll gallivant around Indianapolis.
0: Next time. Hopefully there won't be have you know, no protocols to break or at least no COVID protocols to break and no sneaking around necessary. Rex road. What about you?
1: Yeah, it's excruciating. It's just awful. I mean, like I'd take a week of this shit and then, and it's, then, yeah, I mean, I I'll, I'll talk. I'd rather honestly do anything else. And there's so much writing and talking it really, it is just recycling and going around and around. Like you said, Emily, a lot of misinformation, but then you also have, you know, like, like you talk about those quarterbacks, I mean, Justin Fields and some of that stuff that came out, some of these ridiculous old tropes that come out, but then, I just I didn't understand how people were so furious because Trevor Lawrence demonstrated maturity to me, like in his interview with, with Mike Rosenberg of Sports Illustrated. I mean, I thought it was actually a kind of a refreshing perspective. I get it. You gotta you gotta love ball. You gotta be obsessed and all that stuff. Gotta have a chip on your shoulder. But again, if this is what we're talking about, it tells you that we have way too much time on our hands um, to to dissect this thing. So I'm excited. We're we're close.
0: Well, my, my whole thing with the, with the Trevor Lawrence is, yeah, very much so. Like, we are media people. We want people who are going to say interesting things to us on a, maybe not on a regular basis, but just something to break up the monotony of the press conference or the locker room or Vrabel or something. Somebody who wants to talk, who is willing to be at least to a degree Engaging. And so I read that Trevor Lawrence thing, and I'm, I'm 100% with you. Refreshing is how everyone should feel about it. But then just juxtapose the only reason that I got so upset about it is juxtapose next to Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how differently, just just simply as after all the shit that we have gone through over the last calendar year, after everything that is going on in Minnesota, after everything almost to the one-year anniversary of the George Floyd murder situation that, we're, that we continue that hovers over everything that we do, especially in my part of town. Watching it right now. Murals all over the place in North Nashville to this man and to people who have been lost to these kind of things. Just the... Just, as blatant and obvious as it has ever been the difference in discussing a white quarterback and a black quarterback in a way that it's, it's, it has bothered me in years past, but I just don't understand. I just don't understand how it can be that just in your face after everything this year. And we still have the same discussion as we've been having for ever since this godforsaken thing, you know, became
1: such a spectacle. It drives me insane. No, it's, it's it's infuriating, you know. And, and the thing is, like, I'm old enough, you know, to I – w- I was alive, like, when Warren Moon was just dismissed out of hand, which made no sense at all. He was going to be – he would have been a star immediately. But just – I mean, purely, just, like, color of his skin. You know, that's it. Just dismissed out of hand. Go to the CFL. I mean, that's just in, in, insane to think that's in your lifetime. Um, I mean, I think things have gotten better, but but here it comes again, you know. And, you know, just it's, – it's also there with – with coaching, with, with nepotism, with, uh, with the fact that we still really can't see uh, black coaches get elevated at the, at the high college level and, and at the professional level like they should be, get the opportunities, get the networking. I mean, how long do you have to keep talking about this stuff before it gets better?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it's more subtle these days, too. And when people think of of racism, they think it smacks you right in the face. And it's just it's very easy to detect. But it's all these, you know, kind of subtleties and and these biases that, you know, aren't aren't as blatant and obvious as, you know, coming out and just saying it um, straight up. It's it's all these little things that you see with, yes, the difference between how the one comment from one person saying that they heard from somebody else that Justin Fields was not Um, you know, not great when it it comes to working hard. And he was, what was that? The the first one out, last one in sort of guy. You hear that one comment and it completely changes the game in the off season in terms of talking about this kid and, and who he is as a competitor. Yet, We all saw with our own two eyes what happened in the semifinals of of the college football playoff and that he got busted and absolutely showed his fight and his guts and his effort. And yet we take this little thing and run with it. And I say we because, you know, although I think we all agree on this podcast right here that we think that it's nonsense and it's crazy, but this was something that was talked about so much. And it's so frustrating from that standpoint. And then to see the reaction to the Trevor Lawrence thing, it's, it's completely maddening, but it's, it's harder to detect these days. But I also think I'm, I'm trying to put a positive spin on it. And that so, so many more people are coming out and um, exposing it and making sure that it, it's known. And I know sometimes that's misconstrued as, as the quote-unquote cancel culture and everything. It's, it's accountability culture. And so I, I, I applaud you, Buck, for going off on, on the tangent and stuff. I think it's an important conversation that, that we need to have. It's a tough one, um, but it's, it's important to expose it when it does come about so people realize that it's happening.
0: Speaking of cancel culture, and I know they're never going to advertise with this podcast, so I don't give a shit with their seven hundred and fifty dollars Smokey the Bear hats. Hat Works with this stupid cancel culture billboard that they put in Edge Hill. Uh, cancel culture, cancel cancel culture before what? it cancels us all. Hat Works, the the hat shop that makes the 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 witch hats and the smoky, the seven hundred and fifty dollars Smokey the Bear hats that Taylor lawan wears when he wants to look like you know so, like somebody who dresses up on a regular basis. These that that. Or that building that basically had QAnon stuff slapped on the side of, and this is not, I don't want to get anybody in the <laughs> water. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to back it off now because I don't want to put either. As I sit in it. a
2: news station. And I
0: understand. I'm going to back it. <laughs> I'm going to back it down. I'm just a little upset because I saw it on my way to brunch yesterday, but there's a billboard in Edge Hill as you drive down eighth Avenue South that says cancel cancel culture before it cancels us all from your friends at Hatworks, Like anybody gives a shit. What you have to say about cancel culture, first and foremost, and also surely there is some better use of money that you could spend for however much that billboard just south of the gulch costs for something more productive. That's just this is cancel culture. The the, the laziness with cancel culture and woke as
1: terminology yeah. infuriates me. Go woke and get broke, Buck. Uh, <laughs> I, I love I love the cancel culture. And then it's like and boycott the MLB. Oh, OK. So uh, you're canceling them. Oh, I yeah. got gotcha. you. We'll see you out there, champ. Anyway, um, I think I
0: think the the thing with the draft evaluation stuff, or at least like the difference between people who evaluate for a living, who make their living off of these draft prospects and their success or their failure in the NFL, and the disparity between sports media in general is that what we to go back to the Trevor Lawrence conversation. I think that. We, and I don't want to speak for either of you, but at least for me, like I look at players and say, I would love for them to be well-rounded individuals. I would love them to be successful athletes and also have personality and also have a good backstory and also be good people and all this crap. And then the NFL looks at it and says, can he play football? Does he love football? I don't care about any of that other stuff. It is so far second to can he play or is he willing to play? Is he willing to play through injury? Is he willing to, you know, is he going to be ready for Sunday against Indianapolis? Like all of this stuff, there's such a stark contrast between the way that the, ac- the people actually responsible for picking these players looks at the draft process as opposed to the way where I will not include you two just for the sake of not knowing your opinion, but the larger NFL and sports media who discusses the draft
1: kind of goes about the evaluation process. I, I think there's some truth to that, but you know, like let's take the Titans. I do think that the Titans, and I know it's it's funny to say this a year after the last draft, but I think the Titans, yes, uh, it's about talent and durability, and put it here, and then everything else after that. But I think John Robinson and his staff have done a good job of creating a, like a good locker room. I think they've had a lot of a lot of good personalities in there that have meshed well together, and I don't think that's an accident. I don't think that's uh, just incidental, you know? I think that they've actually uh, put in good work on that. Again, we know, obviously, the massive whiff of Isaiah Wilson, but I also, you know, honestly, I give them less crap for that than probably most people in this town, because I really think that his stuff activated or happened after he got here and that the red flags were pretty mild, And even from whatever I've been able to gather about other teams on him too, not much, but I I do think that the Titans have been better probably than some teams at um, maybe at times going, you know what personality here now, maybe sometimes you overvalue personality when you take a Corey Davis, number five, for example. Right. I mean, I I think that that you could argue that that maybe they loved him so much as a guy, you know, that they reached there, but uh, I think it's been effective for him overall. I think it's part of why they've won in John Robinson's tenure. Am I off base on this?
2: I don't think so. No, I I think that, you know, and the good thing too, is that the Titans haven't just taken a bunch of what we would call necessarily sure things when it comes to just great personalities and guys with no uh, red flag sort of, so to speak in their past, I would, bring, you know, Jeffrey Simmons up as an example of clearly you sit in a room with that kid and you understand that what's in the past is in the past. Um, But that was, you know, seen as, as a risk. I mean, as evident on, you know, what ESPN did as soon as the pick was drawn, the you know, the five minutes afterwards was just spent talking about what happened um, in in high school and his past. And I would say, too, Taylor Lewan was also a guy that had come out with um, some question marks surrounding off the field things. And so the Titans have been able to take quote unquote risks on on some of these guys because they've done a good job at betting them. So for all the Isaiah Wilsons, there's been, there's been some some really good guys that have come in and done so much for the Nashville community and have stepped up for the for the team in general. Um, a lot of really high character guys. And I, I will say this year the virtual element has to play a part in that as well. Um, also the fact that, you know, we're in the year 2021. A lot of these guys have media coaches and, and coaches telling them the exact things that they should be saying. So it's a lot harder to weave through some of the bullshit that they tell you that they tell every single team um so it does does make it difficult but i think a lot of that goes into like a good gut feeling and trusting yourself and trusting your instincts and i'm sure we've we've all done that as human beings before and it doesn't always lead us in the right direction Um, but but if you stick to it you know they i feel like they've had more wins than than losses for sure
0: well, we will find out soon enough, and it can't come soon enough to get this thing yes. just finally underway so we can get back to, you know, at least for the NFL draft, I will say this, it gives us something because without without football, I realize just how how little there is now that I like uh, have the, the radio show every day and have the streaming show every day and have the podcast once a week, like football is so much of it and people cannot help but consume it. So there is something to it, even as we uh, even as we who are paid to do it um, are complaining about the fact that it's just is un- unending the draft coverage. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to keep you guys much longer with, with just bullshit, but I feel like we haven't talked in like a long time and uh, just yeah. like general questions. Th- what do you mean? Questions, questions? Questions about what? Oh, for the for the uh, for the mailbag. Yeah, but we the mailbag is sponsored and it's a it's a whole different thing. So I uh, oh. and we didn't get so any... we're not
1: allowed to answer them.
0: No, I thought that's
2: what it was. Yes, yeah. I preparing. Yeah.
0: I wanted it to and I wanted to hear. So full disclosure, since we're live producing the podcast, um, I. I wanted them to be questions involving the two of you, but I did not get any questions involving the two of you. So I figured that the the mailbag would be best served. Um,
1: because it's just godforsaken draft (laughs) question. You thought there'd be like a Rex Road. Why are you such a dweeb or something in there, right?
0: (laughs) No, I just, you know, some people like to interact, you know, you guys get engagement. I think every time you guys come on the podcast from, from the people who regularly subscribe and they like the dynamic between the three of us and all of the different pairings that we do with the people that come on the podcast. So I was hoping for a little more human interest, but nobody cares about us as people. They just want to hear us talk sports, idiot.
2: Oh. <laughs> Sorry for putting you on the spot there. I I was. I was excited. I retweeted it. I was like, put put your questions in the mailbag. No, nobody cares. Oh, no,
1: nobody cares about us. <laughs> I mean, but, I can answer some Rondell Moore questions. That Titans should draft Rondell Moore. There's, no, there's one of my answers for you. Dude, I'm
0: 100 percent down with that. So down. And I hate and I hate everything Purdue. Dennis spoiler
1: up buck.
0: Dennis Kelly telling me so going so far as to tell me to suck it in his goodbye statement to that's uh, pretty awesome. The Titans, I was like, I read that shit on the air live. Like I was like, ah, do people care if I read the statement from I'm dennis kelly it looks like you know dennis well well thought out guy i'm sure it's nice and so just reading through the statement <laughs> line by line on the radio and i get to in parentheses after the purdue fight song quote suck it buck so you know i got a, i got good content run out of it but uh yeah De- dennis kelly and, and all things purdue can sit on it because he got his master's from iu oh mm-hmm. i did not realize
1: that oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. very nice
0: So it's, it's a fraud he's a fraud at this point <laughs> Um, when do you think they're going to let us back in, in the facility at St. Thomas sports Park? Like I, th- this, this, the whole, I asked because the whole genesis of this podcast is so people can feel like they're sitting in the media room with us basically. Cause I miss those conversations. Even as Teresa Walker made it smell like microwave mashed potatoes. Every time she heats something up in the microwave. <laughs> um, and, and the- there's candy though. There is candy, but they've hidden the candy back in the PR room. Dwight, uh, Dwight Spradlin has safeguarded the candy bowl because John Glennon just can't. I don't know how he's not diabetic. Johnny's been doing this for 20 years, basically lifting candy off or however long Dwight's been there lifting candy off Dwight. But like, you know, when when do you think they're going to let us back in the facility so we could do
1: our jobs like we're used to doing our jobs? Well, if everyone would get vaccinated, I think we'll be in there for camp. Am I crazy? No, I don't think so. No. That's where, where hope.
2: will the media room be? Are they moving us with the new additions and everything?
0: Oh yeah. We are in the new wing, which I'm sure is going to be very nice, but we are as far away as humanly possible from actual football um, by design. So it's us and the sponsors that they've sent off to the new wing and they're going to, they're going to, you know, I'm sure it's going to be very, very nice. And I'm sure um, the accommodations will be hopefully a little more spacious for the sake yeah. of all of the smells, um but <laughs> but don't, yeah aren't
2: OTAs can't they start today
1: yeah
0: today's the first day
2: yeah so we're, we won't be out there for anything this summer I don't think
1: speaking of the smells like that well I, like I will miss and, and this is going back a little bit but like walking by terror bisky's office and smelling whatever he just got for takeout that day you know like there are some little interactions like that that we won't have anymore I guess but I'm pretty excited I I I, I mean it's been a little bit cramped the last couple of years so I'm 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 excited, and uh, uh, yeah, I hope it's I hope it's by then. Well,
0: I like I assume we're still going to be we're going to still have to like walk through the facility to get to the auditorium unless they've designed like a special tunnel <laughs> just to just to shuttle us all
1: through like a cattle you know like one of those things they herd cattle onto trucks with like a trapdoor chute that we just have to like yeah like like a water ride or something. Except so talk to <laughs> anybody except Terry sends him to the parking lot. Terry and Kaharski's. <laughs> Yeah. Who else do we well, need to rip on? Who else do we everyone. need to rip on? The Titans beat. We, I mean, haven't, really we, haven't, met, beat. we
2: haven't mentioned Luke Warsham yet. So, yeah, it's to throw him out there.
1: Rabel's favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, no, I think, I think
0: so. So, we've had this discussion before, and I'm pretty sure Mike's going to be on the radio show after the draft. So, I'm going to save this for him because I bet, I, yeah, you know, I, feel, I feel like the press conference is we find all the football shit out that we're going to find out. So, I'd rather just bullshit with Mike and, and see if I can piss him off by wasting his time intentionally. Is um, so
2: that what we do every week?
0: basically depending on how how many times you want to re-ask what's derrick henry ceiling this year mike um <laughs> but yeah his workload how about that workload mike?
2: yeah <laughs> that 17th game are you gonna him <laughs> less
0: but that i you know i really i really do you know again not to keep you guys later than we need to because at this point this is we've talked about all the things that we need to talk about but we don't get the opportunity to interact the same way that we used to. I don't bring anybody to the house anymore to do the podcast. We obviously don't get together in the media room. We don't get together in the press box, basically. I um, miss
2: you too, Buck. Is that what you're trying to say?
0: I miss yeah, you. Guys. Come on, just come on and say it, Buck. No, I, I don't mind. Listen, I, I fucking hate Joe Rexroad, but I miss Joe Rexroad. That's okay. <laughs> like, I understand. So we're all vaccinated, yeah? One shot. Yep. One shot down. I'm okay. uh, I'm double-shotted up on May the 3rd.
1: Well, I think, you know, I think there has to be some sort of a happy hour pretty soon too, right? Media happy hour. Yeah. But where,
0: where would we take everybody? Like not everybody's going to show up. Kaharski going to want to be invited, but then not go. Um,
2: (laughs) I don't know what you guys did, but when we were on lockdown, all the ladies of Titans media hung out via zoom and we had happy hours once a week and it was awesome.
1: I, I saw that and we were all jealous. Yeah. Why was
0: this? This is uh, what, what is this bullshit girls club? What is the sexism in, in Titans media? What, what do you mean? <laughs>
2: I don't know. I don't know. You may n- you may never know what uh, what happens in the Titans media uh, ha- virtual happy hour stays stays there.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like we can't Paul won't show up. Tehran doesn't drink. So like, where do we go that everybody is going to is going to want to get together? Not Broadway.
1: Can I just say that?
0: I was, uh, I went to the Nashville SC game and I, uh, I walked across the pedestrian bridge to get my lift just because I needed steps. I had a big dinner and I felt like a piece of shit. So I <laughs> wanted to walk and the weather was nice and Broadway gave me anxiety. Like wow. it is all the way back, all the way back in a way that was jarring to me, just like the rooftops and I, it's, I, which is good, I guess um financially but oh (laughs) like I don't want to have I don't want to have to do another virtual football season I just don't I don't I don't want some new like there's this UK variant of the South African variant I don't want a Broadway variant like I'm just I'm waiting for the minute where there's a Broadway Nashville Tennessee variant of (laughs) COVID-19 that's been spawned in
1: some back alley behind crazy town a kid rock butt chugging, uh, strain that, uh, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. We don't need that. We don't need that, man. Tim Corbin clearly has
2: not gone down to Broadway because COVID does not exist there either.
1: Well, I'm just assuming that they're, they're all vaccinated, right? That's, I'm I'm just going to go with that. Uh, 20
2: somethings were first in line to get vaccinated.
1: I uh, I am I am willing to
0: put uh, to put my money on the idea that the vast majority of them are not vaccinated, given the way that even Broadway was politicized in the middle of all this crap. But this is a conversation for another day. Emily are we recording? Proud- yeah, we are recording. Oh,
2: you know I mean? OK. I, I thought I thought you like stopped the podcast and then we were just chatting afterwards. No, OK.
0: No, what do you mean? I would tell you if I stopped the pie. Do you, do you want, oh, what are you trying to take this off well, you, you You said like four
2: it? times. We've said it. We've talked about everything that we need to talk about. I thought that was your way of closing it. No. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No,
1: we're still rocking.
2: And the Buck is
1: going to get lots of people pissed off. No, no hats for you, Buck.
0: (laughs) No. Yeah. No hats for me. No question. Emily proud of WKRN news to their excellent sports team with our friends, Corey Curtis and Kayla Anderson, Joe Rex road of the athletic Robbie and Rex road six to 10 AM on one Oh two five. The
1: game. Thank you friends. It was fun. Hey Buck congrats on your show by the way, bud. And I've said it privately, but you know, Right here, too. We're, we're happy for you. We're proud of you. Are you sure? I
0: feel like people are going to get that. People were already tired of me before, I, you know, an extra three hours a day, but I think... Uh, well, I'm not
1: saying you. that people aren't going to get nauseated by your voice very quickly. I'm still happy for you, though. Well, you know, Same.
2: I'll- Congratulations. <laughs> and they better clip this for the new promo as opposed to Mike Rabel congratulating you.
0: See, I, I keep getting texts. A lot text- uh, more sway with us. I keep getting texts about that shit, and it makes me this 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 whole kiss-ass narrative. Teachers, pet book. Ra- pass- you walked
2: down to the promotions department and you said, Clip this, air it every opportunity you get in and out of every single break.
1: Bring Mike Brabel and Apple every day. Oh, you're so sweet, Buck. I fucking hate you so much.
0: It doesn't <laughs> run during my show. I haven't heard it yet, and nobody will play it for me because I've already had them yank one promotion that physically made me recoil, recoil <laughs> from the microphone. But these are things that, uh, you know, I, I very much enjoy my second salary, so I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize the second la- salary. Get the hell out of my Zoom, both of you.
1: Yes. See you, guys.
0: <laughs> Music City Mailbag, as is the custom here on a Tuesday. We will get to them momentarily. We have several for you on this second anniversary, the second birthday of the 615 Sessions podcast. Masvidal and Usman, they put on a show the last time they stepped into the octagon. Round two this weekend is certainly going to pack a punch. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 26-1 to odds on either title contender to reign victorious. Simply pick either main event fighter to win during this weekend's UFC 261 title fight and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 26-1 to odds. Just that simple. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code A2Z Sports. That's A T O Z Sports. When you sign up to turn $5 into $130 if the title contender of your choice wins. Place your bet. Watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code A to Z Sports to turn $5 into $130 if the fighter of your choosing takes home the crown for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Tennessee-only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee red line, 1-800-889-9789. All right, to the mailbag we go, as per tradition. Warner 08, who is one of our frequent mailbag question asks askers, asks, Buck, am I crazy? But if the Titans could get clowny for half of what the Browns paid and he wasn't just hunting a payday, wouldn't you stay here where you might have a legit chance at a good playoff run? Not as much pressure on you with Dupree being brought in, just a thought man. So, this is coming off the news last week that Jadavian Clowney signed a $10 million super incentive-laden deal with the Cleveland Browns after spending, not even a full year, eight games with the Tennessee Titans and having his season end in injury, so what Warner is asking um, is really invalid because what he's asking is could the could uh, could the Titans get Clowney for half of what the Browns paid if he wasn't just hunting a payday? When you stay here, what if he's just hunting a payday, Warner? I appreciate the the romanticization, I think is the word, of what Jadavian Clowney's intent is. Jadavion Clowney shut it down last year so that he could keep himself as healthy as humanly possible to cash in again this year in free agency. Clowney has made his intentions clear. He is going to play for a team that looks to maximize him, which would not be the case here in Tennessee. They are looking to use Clowney. If they were to keep Clowney, they would be looking to use Clowney as a piece, not as a feature, but also, He's looking for a place that's going to continue to value him at a certain financial figure. Now, a $2.75 million pay cut for Clowney is not ideal. And again, he may not see the full value of that $10 million based on how the contract is structured because his health is uncertain. But for for you to assume that Clowney was more interested in a playoff run than he was in a paycheck – you are misunderstanding who Jadavion Clowney is, I think, and that's not an indictment of him. That's just that's just who or what Clowney is interested in. And also, the Browns are a good team. Like he can he can do some damage in the AFC North. Certainly with Pittsburgh seeming like they're at a kind of the end of their run. The Bengals are are still a little further away, I think, from legitimately competing. Of course, you have the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. So that is no slouch. That is stiff competition, but Cleveland's a really good football team. So it's not going to hurt Clowney to go there, especially because he has Miles Garrett, but he has to be able to play. He has to be able to finish the season if he wants to see the full dollar amount. And what will probably end up happening is Clowney, something will happen. He'll shut it down. He'll hit free agency again and look to cash in again and keep doing these one-year deals because that's what Clowney is going to do at this point in his career. But I appreciate, the, uh, I appreciate the way that you're thinking a little bit romantically about the intentions of Jadavion Clowney. Gang 343 Thomas on Instagram, writes in, so he's asking me about a brunch spot that I spent my Sunday at in Green Hills. Now, no free shout-outs, so we're not going to mention the name of the brunch spot. But I did have brunch. I rarely go to brunch on Sundays because normally you want to have a drink at brunch I can't drink at brunch because I have this primetime show, the A to Z sports primetime show on Sunday night on all of our social platforms for A to Z sports, Facebook Live, Periscope, YouTube, and Twitch TV. I'm sure many of you have seen it if you follow me on social media. Uh, So brunch, not typically something that I do. But in this particular instance, I went to brunch and I went in Green Hills because I was on a, my my girlfriend is gutting my closet. (laughs) Not that anybody cares, and by the way, this is totally welcome, like my closet needs to be overhauled, and I have zero sense of style. In fact, the only reason that I look presentable when some of you guys see me at Titans games or I saw some of you this weekend at the nashville s c season opener. I took some shots with our friend v love uh, i don 't know what kind of tequila it was. It was not terribly great tequila, but you know in the spirit of uh, in the spirit of enjoying the audience when we get to see you guys. Took some shots with VLO, okay? But anyway, Sunday brunch. So I went to Sunday brunch in Green Hills. (laughs) And the thing that stuck out to me about Sunday brunch in Green Hills is that it's very, very different from where I live in Elizabeth Park. Elizabeth Park is in North Nashville. North Nashville, um, many people don't like to come over here, which is dumb because North Nashville is a wonderful place with a very rich history and very good people. But North Nashville is not necessarily where most people would come for a brunch spot. Although we are being invaded, I've seen bird scooters over here. I've seen bachelorette parties over here. So the the spread, (laughs) you wouldn't talk about super spreaders, bachelorettes, super spreaders. And I'm not talking about COVID. I'm just talking about general gentrification is coming to my neighborhood. But, you know, selfishly, it's good for my property value. Anyway, so. Green Hills brunch, not like North Nashville brunch. And I felt very, very much out of place. Now, the establishment for Swang Gang's question, very good. I had Salmon Eggs Benedict with a, I think it was an iced pumpkin spice latte, which is about as basic white girl as you could possibly get. But it was very, very delightful. I was made uncomfortable, though, by just generally the people that I was around, like which is not, you know, not to disparage the good people of Green Hills. I, I very much like the places that are in Green Hills to shop. But these are not people that I generally want to spend my time around. These are, you know, Nashville's uh, very, very well-off community. It's may, it's not quite Brentwood. It's not quite Franklin because obviously many rich people live in Franklin and Brentwood as well. But, and, you know, it's not like I, I'm, not, I'm not a stranger to uh, I'm a very, very spoiled <laughs> Individual, I get paid outrageous amounts of money to do this podcast, to do my radio show, to do my primetime time show—way uh, more than I should. Don't tell my bosses. Hopefully, they're not listening. But I get—I get—I'm I, obviously in a position of financial comfort. But, I, but to go to Green Hills, legitimately, like takes me out of my element. Like I'm so used to what my neighborhood is like and the people that I get to talk to, get to interact to, get to spend my time with in my neighborhood. That to go to Green Hills. And spend time around those people. And I do mean those people is a little bit of culture shock. So, love Green Hills. Love their food. Love their shopping. The people that can stay over there. And I will stay in North Nashville. And everybody will be happy. Because Elizabeth Park is scenic for a reason. And we would like to keep it that way. Keep the rest of it in Green Hills. Here on the 615 Sessions. Not a ton of Music City mailbag questions this week. That's okay. I'm sure we will get many, many more once the draft is underway. We will have one more podcast. And it will be a banger. We're going to have Teron Davenport of ESPN. We're going to have Rhett Bryan, my buddy from Titans Radio. We're going to put it together, and it's going to be spectacular. And you're going to enjoy it next Tuesday on the 615 Sessions Podcast. If you have mailbag questions for Teron, Rhett, myself, or whomever, you can send them to my Instagram DMs at BuckRising. That's R-E-I-S-I-N-G. Shouts to DraftKings, to Two Rivers Ford, who make this podcast free for you. And shouts to you all, as always, on the second anniversary of the 615 Sessions podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I thank you enough. You guys know how much I love you. You're my favorites. Out of all of the audiences, you are my favorites. Um, because it's a smaller group. That's okay. Uh, it's it's quality over quantity. And I, and I have the quantity, too, on the other things. So that's fine, too. We appreciate you guys hanging out. So in the meantime, stay safe, stay clean. Get your shots if you have not already done so. I'm looking forward to be double-vaxxed up on May the 3rd. And in the meantime, Nashville, stay hot. This has been the award-winning 615 Session Podcast from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studio, powered by the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford. And it is brought to you for the second year in a row and hopefully for many, 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 many more years to come by A to Z Sports and A to Z SportsNashville.com.